0: It's on All right, here we go Covert Show podcast number 13 After four people on the last podcast We are uh, very, very small, short staff today It's JC and it's Nick on tonight's podcast And boy, Nick, we were talking about this before A lot of football happened over the weekend and A lot I'm going to just go ahead. We skipped over college football last week. It was a podcast that went all over the place, so I want to start with college football this week. New Top 25 came out. What are your first takeaways from the Top 25? I've got a couple of things, but first, what were some of your takeaways looking at the Top 25?
1: So mostly everybody kind of stayed pretty much the same. Georgia had the biggest jump after a just massive uh, massive win over Clemson, and I shouldn't say massive. It was only ten to three, but it was a very good ten to three ball game. I mean, their Georgia's offense trying to still figure out the same uh things that they dealt with last year on trying to find an identity under JT Daniels. We thought Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs had it figured out last year. Obviously, they need to kind of deal with a new scheme. But when you're facing a team like Clemson, who still has a couple of great weapons, uh, defense is still very strong. You're you're not going to score very many points unless you're Alabama and it's round like 36 in whatever game that is of the year. So, I mean, I was actually really shocked to see the the low-scoring affair. Um, Ohio State, I think, was one of the biggest shocks to everybody. Just squeaking by Minnesota. 45-31, me and my dad watched pretty much the majority of that game. Me and my parents, we were sitting downstairs, we went out to eat, we watched it. Minnesota's offense and P.J. Flex Golden Gophers, they are the dark horse of the Big Ten this year. Move over, Indiana. Minnesota Golden Gophers, that is, that is my dark horse in the Big Ten. They've got so many good guys. The only problem is, is Ibram, the running back, is out for the rest of the year, and that kind of puts a little bit of kinks in, in the clothesline there for Minnesota. Uh, he was out with an ankle injury. Nobody has heard a massive word yet on what it is. But I think Ohio State is a little bit more vulnerable that, than everybody expects. Otherwise, the top twenty five looks pretty similar to how I kind of figured it would knock out to be the biggest team moving back uh was North Carolina after losing to Virginia Tech and uh Mac Brown and a and a team that North Carolina was favored to go to the college football playoff or at least stay within the top ten the entire year. And they dropped fourteen spots and now are back at twenty four.
0: So something I want to interject here Ohio State, Minnesota. I didn't watch the game, but was this one of those things Ohio State started off slow and then looked much better in the second half, or was this kind of close throughout?
1: Oh, this was just a close game throughout. So if you kind of go through, you look at the box score here. First quarter it was seven to four or it was seven to nothing. Ohio State jumps out to a lead. Minnesota comes back fourteen points in the second quarter, and then Ohio State jumped out in the second quarter um with 21 points and then it was still an even dogfight even with those 21 points there were a couple turnovers uh that gave minnesota kind of just a little bit of a hole to dig out of and they just couldn't quite make it back out um cj stroud still looked very good for ohio state uh, and also tanner morgan did as well for the golden gophers but in the end it's kind of all about um ibram the running back's running back for the Minnesota Gophers. He had 30 carries, 163 yards, and two touchdowns. And if he's still in that game, I think Minnesota wins.
0: So looking at a couple of things in this uh, new top 25 that kind of jump off to me, UCLA moves up to 16. Uh, Penn State jumps up big after the win over Wisconsin to 11. And then because – being in the great state of Iowa, the matchup this weekend, Iowa, Iowa State. How about the Hawkeyes blowing the doors off Indiana? They move up eight spots. This weekend is going to be the biggest game in the Iowa, Iowa State uh history of the matchup. Iowa State's favored by four and a half points. It's the first time in over 20 years that Iowa State's actually been favored in this game. It's the first time both teams have been in the top 25, and by virtue of Iowa State being 9 and Iowa being 10, it's also the first time that these two are in the top 10, so should be a gem of a game. It'll be interesting to see what Iowa State brings to the table after hanging on for dear life against UNI. Uh, That was one of those that you could kind of see coming. Iowa State had trouble with Drake a few years back, so once again, they had trouble with uh, UNI this year, but... It'll be interesting. I think Iowa's won the last five in the series. It's at Jack Trice. The uh, uh it's escaping my mind. The uh early morning college football game day will be there. Uh so it'll get a national spotlight, which is uh good for the rivalry in the great state of Iowa. And as for Colorado, they we they win over northern Colorado and now get rewarded to play number five, Texas A&M, not, not, not having much confidence anything good's going to come out of this game for Colorado.
1: I mean, the one thing that Texas A&M comes in very strong with is the fact that they are predicted to have one of the best offenses in the country. And when you're the Aggies and you're playing in that top five uh, spot and there's three – uh sec teams within the top five The top five gets rounded out by alabama georgia oklahoma ohio state and then obviously the aggies the aggies do have alabama on the schedule uh as well they do not have georgia but you're returning one of the best offenses in the country um and you have haynes king he's going to be leading the aggies out on kind of a big vengeance the one thing i do have to say is colorado still is somewhat of a scrappy team And their biggest win about, I believe it was a year ago, was against Utah. And they weren't supposed to win that game against Utah, but they came out and they ended up pulling off a big upset against the Utes. So, I mean, Colorado could, and that was towards the end of the season. Or no, they lost anyways. Oh, nope, yep, sorry. Fact check just got me. They lost to that, but I, mean, <laughs> I was, was gonna say than- I
0: didn't. I don't know the last time they actually beat Utah. That'd probably be like 2015 or 16 when they made the run at the Pac 12 title.
1: It was closer than they ex- or than the experts probably expected, and then they got beaten handily by Texas. So within the last couple of years, the Texas teams, and this is going to be another former Big 12 matchup, and I love seeing these. So. Um, I still got Texas A&M in this. You got a big power offense and Colorado. Unless the defense just comes out and can force Texas A&M to make some turnovers, it's going to be a rough day in Mile High.
0: And I want to go back and I want to circle back because I am from the state of Iowa. I want to lay down the uh, what I what I think will happen here. So Iowa go is four and a half point dogs on the road against Iowa State. I still think Iowa will win. I think that they. Uh, pick up a big win, I'm going to throw this out there too because everybody seems to think that this will make or break these teams' seasons. Now, if one of these teams becomes really bad, like say Iowa State loses to Iowa and then Iowa loses eight games in the conference, sure, it'll look bad, but the way both of these teams are looking, this won't necessarily completely maim any chance these teams have because... You're still in the race for the Big Ten, the race for the Big 12, et cetera. So I'm taking Iowa. I'm taking Iowa by a touchdown. I think this will be a close game throughout. I think despite what Iowa State looked like last week at points, I think Iowa State's defense is good enough to overcome that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens here. But I'm taking Iowa. They will uh, cover the spread And uh, we'll pick up the W in the in-state rivalry. So there's college football. We're moving to the big boys pro football. And it starts Thursday already, believe it or not. With the Cowboys and Bucks, as uh, this game, the average ticket price, first of all, have you seen this graphic? And if you haven't, I want you to guess what the average ticket price is for that opening game Uh, at tampa
1: i i would say the average ticket price is probably upward of at least five hundred dollars
0: all right you're pretty dang close the average ticket price five hundred and eighty two dollars whoo i don't know about you when you you
1: gave when you gave me that pause i thought i highballed the absolute no no sir no
0: yeah um I don't know about you, but there would be no way that I could roll a five hundred eighty dollar, five hundred eighty two dollar ticket right now,
1: yeah, and that's sorry, just for
0: not, an opening game. I'm I'm not
1: spending money on on the good old Buccaneers and then uh, quote unquote America's team <laughs> team.
0: I think we got to get, get one I'm of those in every team. single podcast of you going sigh America's team. I roll that nobody can see because we're a podcast, but I think that needs to be a part of every single, every single podcast is getting you to go. Yeah. Dallas is America's team.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the way that uh, Dallas played the last five games, they really haven't done much. They are all losses, even though there's three preseason games and coming off of the last five games for the Buccaneers, it was a playoff win a Super Bowl, two preseason losses, and then a win against the Texans.
0: It certainly seems like Tampa would be the team. So we have all our picks. Um, I'm just curious to run through a couple of games. What are two, maybe three games this week you look at as big, big games? I'm going to take my first couple here, Bills, Steelers. Uh, I think this is an interesting one just because these are two playoff-caliber teams. Uh, It's at Buffalo. Will Roethlisberger be good this year? Will he finally, you know, wrap up the career? We'll have to wait and see. My other games, uh, I kind of talked about these last time, but Dolphins-Patriots. This is an early one to set the tone in the AFC East. It's in Foxborough. If the Dolphins can get out of here with a win, that is a big win for Miami. Tough place to play. Patriots are favored in this game. And then Cardinals-Titans is another one that's interesting. I think uh, Cardinals have a shot to win the West. Titans are the favorite in the South. So those are my three uh, big games uh, for Week 1. What are your three games that you're looking at as can't-miss football Week 1?
1: I think can't miss football. I will agree on the bills, uh, Steelers. You got Allen versus big Ben. I think that one is just Buffalo always plays Pittsburgh pretty heavily in my opinion. Um, and Pittsburgh just has a lot to kind of ride on this season. And obviously I think everybody picked Buffalo on last week's podcast or the podcast before talking about who they think would win. Um, but I got Buffalo in this, it's going to be at home. Um, at Orchard Park. So I think Buffalo is going to be able to hold off. The offense is going to be good. My kind of interesting game that I'm actually somewhat excited for is to see the jets versus the Panthers. You got Zach Wilson versus former quarterback for the jets, Sam Darnold and being the Panthers. So, I mean, personally, I think that's just going to be a fun game to watch. I think this is the season that maybe both teams somewhat turn it around and kind of get back on their heads. And then, yeah, I would agree that probably the the Cardinals and the Titans at that noon game on sunday that's going to be that's going to be the next biggest one to watch as well former or potential playoff teams coming in doing some work going head to head. You got Kyler Murray on that side for Arizona trying to lead his team back to another fantastic run like they had last year
0: so again, for our teams in week one, the Bears have the Sunday night game, they're at L.A. to take on the Rams. Ravens, R.C., not on the podcast tonight, getting ready for the 13-hour drive tomorrow that him and I have. Uh, It's going to be a heck of a time. We'll get into some more uh, about incarceration festival coming up. But uh, his Ravens are at the Las Vegas Raiders, and your Broncos are at the Giants That's another one of those games that uh, could prove interesting. So that's where our teams are at uh, for week one. So with that, this is one that I just saw today, and I'm curious to get your take on this. The NFL Players Association's trying to get daily COVID testing, not just for unvaccinated players now. They want it for everybody I don't know if you saw this. I am curious, though. What is your first take with this? For me, that seems like an extreme overkill to have vaccinated players tested every single day. They already cut it back from uh, every 14 days to every week now for vaccinated. Where do we start drawing the line here?
1: Personally, I I think an everyday test is not the way to go there are so many different factors when it comes to this this whole thing that we may not all know that there is a reason why the NFL is pushing for this we may never know um on all the back screaming details or painstaking details but personally i think if you're going to test teams every day then you shouldn't have a season cuz that just shows a little bit of fear on kind of the side of of how they really want to handle this Um, that cancels games in the middle of the week, that cancels games even before they happen because everybody knows that those games that gets canceled, um, I can't remember, does the NFL have a rule of if if they're going to make up or are they going to postpone or
0: Uh, cancel? So let's say I'm a player for the Chicago Bears and I cause the Bears to go down and they can't uh, play. That is a forfeit, if I remember correctly, and your team gets fined and your team has to pay all the revenue losses say they're in L.A. for the Rams game, the Bears would have to play uh, or have to pay uh, the L.A. Rams for all of the losses there. So they really stack. That's why uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think there's a good chunk of the league now that the league most recently announced 93% of players are vaccinated. So that's why you have 93% of the league vaccinated is because if you don't You can cost your team. You can cost yourself. I mean, the list goes on and on of why you should be vaccinated for this. And that does kind of uh, intrigue me of, okay, I get it for unvaccinated. Like, okay, you're going to have to test however many times a week, fine, because you're unvaccinated and that makes sense. But to test every single day with having the vaccine It seems like a weird move to me. I mean, in that
1: case, in that case, then I understand the Delta variant and this might be a really hot take. But at the same time, then why did players get the vaccine if we were planning to already have to test them every day? And I understand that the Delta variant might be causing or might have different effects with the vaccine. It would not. But that's still just kind of it. It always makes you wonder. It's like, so why? Why did we get it?
0: Yeah, that is interesting. And I think, you know, for me, the cutting it to 14 to 7 makes sense because you're playing a new team every week. Yes. Go ahead, test once a week. That's fine. But every single day, like I've said, seems a little extreme to me. But that's not the rule yet. They've got it down to a week. But that is what the NFL Players Association does want. So that's something uh, interesting we'll have to keep our eye on as the season moves along so now jumping to MLB as uh the Blue Jays I am happy to say they got a win are making up some ground they've won six straight they're nine of their last ten more importantly they're beating the Yankees they beat the Yankees yesterday they beat the Yankees today they finish up the series tomorrow these are at New York this is a place five years ago as a Blue Jays fan, I would not even pay attention to because Toronto was so bad in New York. Uh, but they're uh, closing in. They will probably not win the division, given their 12 games no. back. No. <laughs> no. But the important thing right now, they're sitting two games out of the wild card race, and the two teams they're chasing are in their division. Oh, they yeah. have uh, they two back of Boston. They're two and a half back of the Yankees. Having said that, Seattle's a half game back from Toronto. Oakland's one game back. And then Cleveland's six and a half back. But, boy, I kind of a couple weeks ago thought maybe this team wouldn't have a shot. But slowly but surely, they're picking up momentum right before uh, the end of the season here. So this is an interesting time. As for the rest of the AL, it has really been boring. Uh, You look at the Central. (laughs) I mean, the White Sox are running the show. Uh, they have 16 games left before they can just win the whole thing, win their whole division. Uh, the AL West top of the division has been Houston. Like I said, the uh, Seattle and Oakland in the wild card race will be fun to watch. Hopefully, they lose so the Blue Jays get in.
1: I don't see that happening anytime soon. There, JC, but you're, you're, Toronto's you're ahead
0: of them. What do you mean you don't see it happening? They're already I, a half game at or yeah, a half game ahead yeah. of them.
1: Uh, yeah, but still, I mean, there's there's some ground that the Mariners got to make up, and the A's are trying to work. So, and right now, the Toronto Mariners, just
0: beat the A's, though. I'm pretty sure Toronto well, the, just swept the A's.
1: Well, right now the Mariners have to kind of go through the Astros, and they lost already one game, and the next game right now is they're in the bottom of the tenth, and the Astros just walked it off. Final. Okay, well, Oof. my points might get might get a little bit out of hand, but I mean. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I, I just I want you that. to know. I just want you to know Toronto at home beat Oakland 11 to 10 on Friday, 10 to 8. And by the way, that 11 to 10, Toronto's down like 8 to 2, and then was down eight, uh, 10 to 8 in the ninth before they hit a three run bomb and said, See ya. They won 10 to 8 on Saturday. They won 8 zip on Sunday. Then they turned around yesterday and beat the Yankees 8 zip. And they beat the Yankees on Tuesday in a final of 5-1, baby. So they have two more games in the series. And then they go for a four-game series Friday, Saturday, uh, doubleheader on Saturday, Sunday. They get four with the Baltimore Orioles. Holy smokes, can we beat the Orioles once this year? Uh, it feels my- like that team should be a slam dunk and we still lose to them. I
1: mean, I feel like isn't that just kind of the common conception when it comes to the Blue Jays Orioles?
0: Like Baltimore's terrible, dude. I mean, we Baltimore took 2 of terrible. 3. We took 2 of 3 last time we played them. So I might be thinking about earlier in the year.
1: Also, can I can I just say RIP Chris Davis by the way?
0: <laughs> from
1: the Orioles. <Orange. laughs> Nobody nobody's mentioned it Sad. In the last couple of weeks and God, God help, man. Well, okay, so looking through the Mariners' schedule as well, they've got one more game with the Astros, and that's tomorrow. They've got the Diamondbacks in a three-game series. That's at home. And then they host the Red Sox, and then they go to the Royals, and then they go to Oakland. Wow, they're on the road until all the way through the end of September. Oh, my goodness. That is a tough schedule.
0: Toronto does get six of the next nine games after that Orioles' series are against the Rays. So, Ooh, hey, you know yes. what? I'm not going to take your negative look on this because I already yes. knew you were going to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, Tampa is going to beat them six yeah. times. This, no, is them six... this is Toronto's chance. This is Toronto's chance to rise to that wild card spot, dude. I don't say the are four and two against times. the Rays, dude. They'll win they four of six. six time.
1: Time. They win four of six. I say they go even.
0: They will sweep them at home. Toronto will sweep Tampa the first three, and then they'll drop two of three in Tampa. But even oh, if, if anything above 500 in those six games is critical for Toronto, going three and three oh, yeah. does you no good. Unless, you know, Boston and New York over that six-game stretch go two and four, one and five, oh and six, and then you make up some games. But – obviously this isn't for the race and the top of the division unless an absolute miracle happens,
1: uh, which the miracle might not happen. And the one thing that I would say is that the blue Jays out of all three, I would agree. The blue Jays probably do have the best chance to winning or to at least possibly getting in that wild card. Cause they are only two games back from the red Sox who are even right now. And I think that that's going to be the major factor is can they keep up with the Red Sox. And right now they're doing a pretty good job because the Red Sox have lost three straight and they've got one more in Tampa tomorrow.
0: Here's the deal. If Toronto manages to beat the Yankees these next two games, they will be within a half a game of New York. And depending on what happens with Boston, could be tied with Boston or could be within a game of Boston I don't know that a four-game sweep is necessarily the most likely thing to happen, but boy, it would be sweet. Then Toronto yeah, have an eight-game winning streak going into the weekend against Baltimore, who's forty-four and 93. 43 games back in the division. They are eliminated from playoff contention in the AL. That's just sad. In the AL, they are one of two teams; Texas being the other one. I enjoy this for reasons that if you're a baseball fan, you already know. Uh
1: Texas thinks
0: they're better than us in the regular season, sure. But when it counts, you're not. Anyway, we're not going to take a deep dive into that because I could talk about that. all. Well, you know what? Here's the deal.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. I didn't mean to. Here's the deal.
0: You want to punch Bautista in the regular season? Fine. But you know who got punched out of the playoffs that year? The Rangers did. See ya. <laughs> Go back home and sit on your couch and watch the playoffs with the rest of the teams that weren't were out that I year.
1: To, I wasn't trying to start anything because I feel like in in one case it was a little uncalled for, but at the same time, both players were. Bautista's slide was a little late. Rudan O'Dor threw a right cross. You know Bautista the thing. The thing and blasted
0: that... a ball. Like
1: it, the call was fantastic. Dyke so you blues. think
0: you think that, that three run him pimping the three run home run in the biggest game since nineteen ninety-three at that point. They hadn't made the playoffs since ninety three. You're talking about twenty fifteen when they hit that. That was that their
1: last World Series, correct?
0: Yeah. He hit that bomb off of Sam Dyson. You think that he's shouldn't have done that. So Ruganette O'Dor popping him after he slid in his general direction and Odor got all upset about it but here's my well, the, counter to that bat, bat flip bat,
1: no the bat flip was respectable i mean the the rangers had just basically just ran it down their leg and basically said oh, okay let's try to get this back bautista put an exclamation exclamation point on it i was okay with the bat flip i was not okay with the slide and i was slightly okay. okay with the punch.
0: Here's the deal. Let me let okay. me run something by you here. Uh, that we're, <laughs> now we're officially diving into this. We we I, I I tried to I wasn't avoid it. You, to go down you the muttered hole. odor and i was like okay, fine.
1: I was trying to get a little bit of a jab. I didn't think it would go well, down you the know, rabbit hole.
0: I, I, here's the thing.
1: We got, we got some time. Let's go down the Bautista's
0: rabbit hole. bad flip gets him punched. Not directly, you know, there's the whole Odor got upset by the slide. Whatever, I mean, it's it's regular season. We need to take a little bit of a chill pill. But both teams were good. It was a rivalry game. They met up in the playoffs that season again. Fine, but here's the thing: Odor bat flips on baseballs that don't get hit out of the yard. Oh yeah, in the and World Bautista Baseball Classic. In, too. Yeah. in the World Baseball Classic, this is the guy that bat flipped on a single. Yep. You, you can't go sock somebody for hitting a three-run bomb in game five of the ALDS when your team hadn't been there since 1993.
1: And you basically a com- or completed a comeback that was basically given to you by a, a straight implosion.
0: Mm, Weren't there were, given there to were, you? I mean, they, the only thing at that point that had come across was one run.
1: I was gonna say, but three air. There were three errors that set oh, that up. Oh, Beltray
0: booting all of those was sweet. I enjoyed every second of it, but it yeah. still came down to somebody had to be the flame that hit the that got those runs across.
1: So oh, Bautista 100%.
0: does that. That's still, you might as well go start punching yourself at that point. If you're the guy that's going to be hitting a ba- hitting a single off the wall because you're too busy bat flipping and acting like an idiot then I don't I, – someone should have punched him the next season. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, I, I get the I, – I don't get as annoyed with this conversation because Toronto beat them in both series. And that year after the Rugonetto odor punching Bautista, they swept him. Yep. So there's that. But I don't know. That whole Rugonetto odor thing always gets me because everybody acts like what Bautista – pimping the home run was such a bad thing and this is kind of the beginning of really that whole discussion of the two different types of baseball where half of the groups like pimping home runs is fine do it and the other groups like you should not be pimping home runs so
1: as a baseball player who has maybe done a couple of bat flips one was in a really big moment Mm -hmm. We had a game against the central Dutch this last year Mm -hmm. where we were down the entire game. And to come back, we scored, I believe it was six runs in the bottom of the seventh. It started with me with a home run. Mm -hmm. I flipped the bat because I got every bit of this ball. Sure. If you are in a big time situation, for example, one of my favorite all time clips ever is college baseball, throw it back to I think it's like 20, Uh, I want to say 2018, Elijah McNamee, Mississippi State, super regional in Starkville, hits an absolute nuke. Even though uh, Mississippi State had the game, he plays with a lot of emotion. It was still a big game. They had come off of a three-run inning, I think it was, and he just went nuts, and so did the crowd. There are certain situations for a bat flip when you are up like 15 and you hit one (laughs) off of a pitcher, a.k.a. what was it, the White Sox facing the Twins, and I think it was a Brayu hitting one off Tortuga. You don't do that.
0: (laughs) Okay, I can agree with that. That's kind of the point I'm getting at here is, you know, the whole Ruganetto door thing with him. And he's not even pimping home runs. This dude's pimping singles. Puig he's, was the same way. Yasiel Puig
1: was the same way. He pimped doubles. Guys that stand there and pimp balls in the regular season and it goes off the wall look dumb.
0: Yes, they you do.
1: Have, you, you have <laughs> to know at this point you have hit so many home runs in your life to understand I got every bit of this ball. It is going to be a 480-foot shot. And then you got to realize, yeah, I hit it, but it might not go out or this I might have to start running there are times and places for bat flips
0: I completely agree with that so moving on from that I think that's oh we got more
1: if this is if this is gonna because he kind of did it a little bit last night if we're moving on to the National League um I want to give a shout out to a former high school teammate of mine he got picked up, and so far, when it comes to the Astros, he is having an absolute tear. Shout-out to former Nebraska Corner Husker and former Westside Warrior Jake Myers. He hit his fourth home run last night, and it was an absolute missile. He launched it off the back facade. Sweet. And the kid is just playing out of his mind right now. So, And he's he's one of uh, two of Westside's players in the last few years to get drafted. Um and still currently playing. Darren Ruff is the other one. So I kinda actually want to see how he if he played tonight. Uh he got one he got a pinch hit. But he's right now he's hitting three fifteen as a rookie Jeez. in his first couple of games. Jake wow. Jake Myers was a, a solid player, so shout out to him.
0: So yeah, with that jumping gears to the NL, uh the Philadelphia Phillies. Making things interesting here down the stretch now, just two-and-a-half back of Atlanta and the NL East. The Central, still boring. The Brewers still lead by double-digit games. The West is still as entertaining as it gets. I mean, really a two-team well, race. No, but...
1: it's a two-team entertaining facade. But at the same time, like two, two of the best teams in baseball right now, some of the best lineups going at it in the National League in that NL West.
0: San Francisco leading by a half game the Dodgers have get this a 14 game lead in the wild card race so you can do the math there San Francisco should they fall would have a 14 and a half game lead in the wild card someone's got to lose that division but that won't be decided uh for a little bit and then looking at the wild card race in the NL uh the division leaders giants brewers and braves the wildcard teams dodgers and padres padres not as secure as a lot of people would have probably thought at the beginning of the year but cincinnati winning three of ten doing all they can to help san diego get that lead extended (laughs) Uh, go cubs go baby i can't believe the cubs are the ones that beat them cincinnati a half game back Philadelphia, two and a half back. The Mets and Cardinals, four back. And then it jumps all the way to the Cubs, who are eight games under 510.5 games out of the wild card. It's been a they're tough tr- go again for the Cubs. Having said that, they won eight of 10.
1: Yeah, they won six straight. And I mean, they've had one of the best rookies. Um, they had the rookie of the month in baseball. And I'm trying to find that tweet because I forget who it was. The Cubs have been a little kind of like non existent to me at the moment. <laughs>
0: Because it's just like... Robbie Ray for Toronto also picked up an award this week. They're talking Robbie Ray. They needed Garrett Cole to lose tonight, which he did. I just interject here while you look that up. So Robbie Ray all of a sudden is being whispers about a Cy Young and the AL side of things. So Ooh. that would be sweet. Just This Blue Jays team just needs to get in the playoffs. So I think if they can get into a wild card playoff... They're as dangerous as anybody if they can get there. They're right there. I mean, you're two games back, you might as well get in.
1: And then Frank Schwindler for the Cubs, he got the MLB rookie of the month. He's absolutely tearing it up. And so it'll be great to see the Cubs possibly get some new faces and yeah, hopefully turn it around for next season at least. They're they're still twenty one games back in the in the central, so I, I see I see them going hot for the end of the
0: year. So to break it down of what the playoffs would look like if they started today, Houston and the White Sox would play on the AL side. Tampa would await the winner of the Yankees and Bo Sox. On the NL side, it would be the Brewers and the Braves. And the Giants would await the winner of L.A. and San Diego in the NL side of things for the wild card race. So there you go. That's what the – playoffs would look like if they started today you think your Cubs are going to make the 11 games up they need to to get in the playoffs if they
1: if they did I I think I would honestly cry like that would be one of the biggest turnarounds in the Cubs program since winning the World Series in 2016 I mean you lost everybody on your team that was just the biggest name brand besides maybe three guys and you've got you've got the Reds with one more game then you got the Giants for three, the Phillies, and then the Brewers. I don't, I don't see them winning a ton of those games. If they do, then more power to them. And that's going to be just absolutely <laughs> shocking. Like, are you kidding me? But I see there are two. Like next, if if the Cubs are going to go on another streak again, I see the Twins. Sorry, Easton, but the Twins are going to be the that that team. They got a two game stretch with them. But <laughs> as a Cubs fan, I'm looking forward to next season just seeing what this youthful lineup and the farm system can actually bring to Chicago.
0: So with that, we're wrapping up MLB and uh, moving into a couple of different NFL things here. I uh, uh, have a fantasy football team I want to talk about. Probably won't win a lot, but the highlights are Patrick Mahomes is the starting QB, Tom Brady the backup, the running back is Gus the bus.
1: No, 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 no. What did you do?
0: What did I do? What? Did
1: you waste your first two picks on quarterbacks? No, I
0: didn't waste my first. Brady didn't go in in this particular draft very – this was like five picks did, in, I think. Because he wasn't – he didn't need to. I mean, the,
1: personally, I think you, you maybe did a little wrong there with your good old QBs.
0: Well, you see, how I build my fantasy team is I am the opposite of like 90% of fantasy players, which is where you – Look at all the analytics and you do this and you do that and you try to finesse all these great players in. I pick my stuff, so I only transitions I have to do are like bye weeks. Otherwise I lead the team in until somebody gets hurt. And Patrick sure. Mahomes bye is week twelve, Brady's is week nine, both quarterback. Brady scored really well last year for me, so and I could
1: also just is Brady, but personally, I think to me, I had Mahomes last year. He was good for me. I think this year, one of the best quarterbacks for fantasy would be the guy in Buffalo, aka Josh Allen.
0: What you being high on, Josh? Josh Allen? That is the most surprising thing I've heard, dude.
1: <laughs> We've talked about it before, but no, what? I really like. I just really like Josh Allen. And I mean, what? Tell me, I think last year I had Patrick Mahomes, and it might have been Kyler Murray as my fantasy quarterback as my backup.
0: So you're or mad that on. I picked up Tom Brady? Why? I did not waste my second pick on him, by the way.
1: Well, I just, everybody was going, everybody was gunning for Tom Brady and Mahomes. And granted, yes, they are very good quarterbacks. I just don't see them this year being the biggest fantasy impacts.
0: Okay, well, now that you're done criticizing me, two players into my team, (laughs) Gus the Bus, Edwards from Baltimore in the backfield, Robinson as well as Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders are the wide receivers, Gronkowski the tight end, Uh, Kenyon Drake the running back wide receiver tight end combo, Justin Tucker's my kicker, and the Ravens defense is my defensive unit. A lot of Ravens in my yep. uh, starting lineup. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Cole Komet was one I picked up later. Antonio Brown, who I guess is hurt based on what I'm seeing on my screen now, is one I picked up. Oh, and, did, he
1: go, did he go in the cryo bath again?
0: Uh, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> uh, questionable say- with a knee for week one. So he's, oh. not, he's not on the starting group anyway. So
1: oh, missed Mr. Missed big Chest is sitting sitting out a week. Wow.
0: Weird. Taking some shots here, I see. <laughs>
1: this throws it all the way back to my sports show back at BB. We had a segment in the NFL whenever there was just some big news. We called it the big chest minute, and we just went nuts on it. Like we we just all would call it that afterward, and we just like we laughed about everything Antonio Brown did, whether it was trying to go back to college, going to Central Michigan, signing with like four different teams in a year, whatever. Like it was, we just laughed about Antonio Brown.
0: And then Tom Brady wraps up the reserves for my team. I didn't do great last year. I was like 500, but I won a couple of games in there, which the year before when I did fantasy football, I think I was literally like two and 10. It was bad. I was bad. The whole... I didn't
1: hop in a fantasy league this year. I wasn't able to – I had a couple of buddies who were going to do it that wanted me to do it from Omaha. We never did it. and Just – I'm always not the biggest. I'll keep up with, like, how people form their teams and everything, but I'm not the biggest fantasy guy, honestly.
0: Hmm. I think I just said that and got criticized about that. But anyway, Jeez. anyway, <laughs> the other football-related thing, I got to get some of these videos recorded – we're going with the idea that Damien had, or whoever the heck had it, in the podcast last week. Uh, we're doing the Hexbug picks, so yes. stay tuned for that. I'll be honest with you: this first week might be really, really bad. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. You know, what? maybe this will gain some traction on the old TikTok, and and we'll have to have to up our game. But uh, I got to get that going. 'Cause today's uh Tuesday when we're recording this and the first game's Thursday, so
1: And you're gonna be in a car for thirteen hours.
0: Yeah, I gotta get this going and then I gotta figure out how to keep track of who picked what and I I can't wait to see how accurate the hex bugs are.
1: Well, I mean you got you got a whole you got a whole night to figure it out. You got a hotel <laughs> night to figure it out. And then you're you're kind of running on about three hours of sleep within or <laughs> er, 48 hours. So,
0: so basically, I'm gonna let
1: you have fun with that one.
0: I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna just binge all of the games until this. I think I'm just gonna put a piece of paper on the end, drop a hex bug in, and take a video. And hopefully, it, <laughs> hopefully it finds the paper in under three minutes. And if it doesn't, then I don't know what I'm gonna do, but. It's going to be something. So that's something to keep an out an eye out for. Uh, like I said earlier, RC uh, is getting ready for the great journey to Mansfield, Ohio, for the Incarceration Fest. I figured I'd talk about some of the bands I plan on seeing. Uh, if anybody listening to this is going to the Incarceration Fest, uh, I guess I'll see you there. <laughs> I don't know how many At people... Some point. I don't know how many people listening to this, actually, are big-time music festival people. So I'll go through some of the highlights. Uh, first band, Along Came Aspire. This is for the Friday session. Uh, Badflower, Steel Panther, Killswitch, Engage, The Who, and Slipknot. Some of the highlights from the first day. Uh, second day, uh, that Saturday, Pop Evil, Diamante, Asking Alexandria, and Mudvayne. Some of the Ooh. highlights. I Asking know he's Alexandria. been talking about the Berber dings. We're going to have, I don't know what we're doing, if we're doing a full podcast on site or if we're just doing segments to use later. I uh, haven't quite hashed that one out yet, but then looking for the last day, the Sunday, the Devil Wears Prada, Fever 333. Motionless and White, Bear Hailstorm, and Rob Zombie wraps up three Sheesh. days of rock and roll. That's my highlights. Obviously, there's way more bands than that. These start at like eleven thirty and go until like nine forty-five, ten o'clock, probably later than that. So, yeah, there you go. That's sounds my. Like a,
1: uh, sounds like a very awesome trip. Honestly, but I'm a <laughs> I'm a decent like. Or decent like rock Kind of like hard indie rock guy So some of those names Like I said Asking Alexandria Hailstorm Love Hailstorm
0: Oh yeah dude Well maybe you'll have to go with us next year Maybe Make a 13 hour ride with There RC you go JC. <laughs> Yeah that would that would be a super But yeah that's where uh, RC and I will be for the next uh, I don't know Week Just round it up to a week And call it even uh, We're also going to see Cleveland take on Minnesota on Thursday. So there you go, a Reds fan and a Blue Jays fan walk into progressive field and you wouldn't believe what happens next. Oh, no. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and, yeah, with that, that wraps up what I've got, unless you've got uh, something else across the way there, Nick. Uh, I mean,
1: I don't have any, but, JC, you got a, you got a drink next to you? What What's your – you got a special sponsor drink? Or oh, yeah. Right wow. Here?
0: You and RC do a great job of uh, keeping me on track with this. We're talking about Raise Energy. I should have one next to me. I definitely don't, but I definitely should. Uh, use the code word covert20 for 15% off Raise Energy. Boy, you and RC do a great job of keeping me uh, keeping me up with that. I was I was waiting to see like how long it would take you to get down to
1: the hour. I'm like, "Oh wait, we got to go through the good old raise energy."
0: <laughs> the the kicker is I always have it written in the notebook of notes that I bring with me to every podcast and I still don't do it. So, it's, shout out to you, gotta, you and you gotta, RC
1: for You got to write it in right. like big bold letters. You know what Raise Energy should send you a sign that blinks about halfway <laughs> through the show that says, sponsor
0: me. Read the read the uh, code there, bud. Read your script. Code, Covert20. So, yeah, there you go. Type in Covert20 at the end of your Raise Energy purchase for 15% off we're in episode number 13 already of The Covert Show, which is actually kind of amazing that uh, the show has made it this far. We started this in July, and we're now in September. So, uh, yeah. We're looking to keep it rolling, though. I mean, we've seen a lot of interesting things, talked to some interesting people so far in the first 13 episodes. So, yeah, we'll see uh, just how far this goes. So, with that, you don't have anything? Uh, Sir, I'm good, your, man. Your, your regular shout out to your website, your social we'll, media, what have you.
1: We'll do the website. We're going to Storm Lake this weekend, so we'll get the last couple of pieces to throw on there. The good old nickwarrior 8wixcom backslash Nick Hendricks, get on there. See the see the good old stuff. If you need some some media stuff done, you just hit me up. All the contact information is on there.
0: So yeah, definitely go ahead and check that website out. A lot of cool stuff up there. And with that, you can follow the Covert Show in the usual places. But I'll go through them anyway. Uh, the Covert Show on Twitter is at the Covert Show. Covert Show on TikTok. You gotta, you gotta get pumped up you for the Hexbugs. picks. You gotta get the hexbugs. Is the Covert Show. You can email us the Covert Show at gmail dot com. Again, the. Covert twenty for fifteen percent off. Raise energy, and oh yeah, we have a Facebook page too. We've made it to fifty likes on the Facebook page. Hey, you got to hey. start somewhere.
1: Look at you guys go. <laughs> you it's it. been
0: it's been a little stagnant like the last month. Not gonna lie, but you know you got to start somewhere. So there is that. So this has been the Covert Show. Nick joined us on Skype. I'm JC. This has been Covert Show at number 13. Thanks for listening.